truly work on being the change you would like to see. Oftentimes we don't, we, we, we want change, but we're not willing to put in the work. And when I say work, I mean work to create the change that we desire to see. Rome wasn't built in a day. So we have to come together as a people, whether it be black people, whether it be white people, we have to come together as a community for the same accord to be the change and create the change that we would like to see in our communities. Have you ever felt a stirring in your heart that you were called to do something greater than you are doing now? Or respond to a burning desire in your heart? Or maybe make a difference in a particular area or someone's life? Or is there a restlessness that stirs in your soul? Well, I'd like to welcome you to When the Moment Chooses You podcast. I am your host, Charlene Johnson, also known as Coach Charlene. This podcast will engage in compassionate, courageous conversations because I believe in your personal development, creating and inspiring destiny moments because every heartbeat truly matters. You will hear stories of change agents and trailblazers that dare to dream and not accept the status quo. Through hearing these stories, I truly believe that it will reignite the flame of passion and move you from just talking and thinking about it to actually being about it. We are all on our journeys of self-discovery. So be empowered as we inspire you to tap into the highest expression of yourself. Let's join the podcast. Welcome to When the Moment Chooses You. I am your host, Coach Charlene, and I am excited to be here today. Well, I have a special guest with me today, and his name is Marlon. And I'm going to actually, Marlon, I'm going to actually have you tell us a little bit about you. But I just want you to know I'm so excited that you are here today, and I cannot wait to listen to who Marlon is. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Charlene, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show and giving me an opportunity to meet and speak with you today. Um, it's greatly appreciated. And so a little bit about myself. I'm a Sacramento native, but I like to consider myself a country boy from the South. Um, my family hails from Mobile, Alabama. And so um, I come from a very large family, 13 on my dad's side and 10 on my mom. So wow. the country roots are deeply embedded into who I am. I'm also the son of a pastor. So I've been a PK all my life. My father <laughs> passed away quite a few years ago, but I've been a PK uh, all my life. And that's all I know is to just be a man of service. And I love the Lord. And I've somewhat now taken him uh, taken up on my father's footsteps and where I recently, a couple of weeks ago, became an ordained minister. So oh, wow. I'm very excited about the journey in which God has taken me on. Now that is exciting. And congratulations to you on that, because uh, we are kindred spirit there uh, when it comes Amen. to that. Um, well, so I wanted to kind of start out with just saying, like the reason why I did this podcast, Marlon, was because in 2020, when um, George Floyd was murdered, um, I found my voice and I've been like totally speaking up ever since then. I recognize that 
uh, stories are really powerful and profound to unpack wisdom. And so that's, I felt like I was chosen and I began to start speaking up and things like that. So as we enter into Black History Month, I really wanted to do something special with Black history in particular, because um, I don't think a lot of people, like especially our allies in particular, they don't necessarily know what it's all about. And so that's kind of why I decided to have this show. But, you know, as I sit here and talk to you, I'm wondering, do you feel like a moment has chosen you or can you share with us any moments that you feel have chosen you? Well, Charlene, I feel that God has chosen me to be a voice, not just for myself, but for all people. Um, it's kind of when you when you know, I'm a person that I believe in speaking up and I believe when I see injustices happen throughout our communities and throughout this world, I'm not afraid to have that conversation. And I and, and if I speak honestly, this was not an, a place where I arrived overnight. I, I came to this place very carefully because sometimes I feel that people in the community, sometimes people listen to the noise and not necessarily of what you're saying. So I'm a person that when I speak, I want people to listen and not just listen, but feel and understand what I'm saying so that my message can get across to individuals that I'm speaking with. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, and when we think about um, Black history in particular, tell me a little bit about what you um, what you think about that, because I'm going to tell you, and when I was in middle school, I had a white uh, professor teach me Black history. And I don't remember anything we learned except for, okay, we did Martin Luther King and it was very, very skimpy. And so, but then when I grew up, I start finding out the real history of how powerful we are and all of the different inventions that we made and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I was like blown away. But um, so to you, what would you say for you? What does Black history mean and why is it important to you? Wow, that's that's a pretty... Loaded question. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> um, but I will start by saying that black history means to me exactly what it is. And that's black history. Um, much like you, you had um, someone who's Caucasian teach you about black history. Well, in the schools that I attended, I had no one teach me about black history. And if I really speak honestly, it wasn't till I was much older in life where I really learned how much blacks did for our society, how much blacks did, how many things that they invented. I, I like to the point where I truly believe, and I don't say this arrogantly, that had it not been for black people, America as we know it would not exist. That's how much black people had at their hands and making sure that we the people have been successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I totally agree with you there because um, I actually, um, the only way that I found out about all of the inventions and the, I mean, just cutting edge stuff that we use today all the time was at my church. They had this little display on Black History Month and I was 
looking at all of it and I'm looking at the stoplight and I'm looking at all of these different things that were created by my people. And so it really was inspiring to me. And then it just kind of the questions in my head start rolling around like, wait, why didn't I know this? Because it does give you something to look up to and to know our contribution. So, so Marlon, has there been any, um, any stories that you can share with us that can bring awareness for others that are listening? I know you probably have 50,000 stories. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, 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 I would like to say that I, I'm the father of two biracial young black men. And my younger son, and I didn't really realize, you know, I, I've always seen the world from just a person of color standpoint. I didn't realize until my sons recently told me, and, they, and they've never shared this with me before. And they recently told me, you know, I'm not black enough on one side or I'm not white enough on the other side. But to society, I'm still a black man by the color of my skin. And so it really began to open up my eyes um, about the situation that our society is in. And the other day I called my son and I asked him, what was he doing? And he said that he was writing a letter. This was during the Christmas break. He was writing a letter to his history teacher inquiring why there is no black history in their curriculum. And so I was so impressed by that, that a young man at 18 years old would have just a forethought to write a teacher and ask that question. I was very happy about that. And it just goes to tell me and show up, me and us how much black history is truly needed in our schools because it's lost. And if we, as we stated earlier, I didn't really learn about black history until, you know, much later in life. And I only learned about it um, because I'm a part of a fraternal organization that was holding a black history program. And come to find out, I learned so much. I was overwhelmed by how much black history really exists and how much um, blacks have done over the years to make our society a more livable place. Yeah. Um, So let me ask you a question, Marlon. So um, have you always been, uh, I mean, outspoken when it comes to challenges within races? And I mean, have you ever had to like just you ever had that? Uh, let me say it like this. Have you ever been in the spot where like you're the only one and you had to defend your race, so to speak? It's, it's funny you should ask that question. So my wife and I recently um, purchased an RV. And I was so proud of my RV. It was brand new and I'm a clean freak. So, I mean, it. we went camping for the first time and it was sparkling. The tires were shining. I was so proud of it. <laughs> so we pulled into the campsite, very first time out. And the lady greeted us at the, uh, she was a little, little, little house and she came out and greeted us to give us our uh, package and our information. And she was admiring our RV. Well, there was another lady that walked up as she was admiring the RV. And she says, hey, she she knew this lady. And she says, hey, isn't this such a beautiful rig? And the lady literally looked at the RV and said, yes, it must be a rental. That blew me away. And to the point where I was so blown away, I couldn't even speak 
because my reaction would have been so negative. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I couldn't even speak. But I took that situation and I have now shared that, as you know, I'm a part of the Equity, Inclusion and Diversity Committee for uh, my employer. And so I've used that scenario and that situation to really spread the message about how we as a people can be discriminated against simply just because the color of our skin. It didn't matter whether or not this rig was an expensive RV. It was just how can you afford that is really what this individual was saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that reminds me of uh, something that I recently just experienced myself. Um, uh, So I got a ticket. I had a fix it ticket because my um, front shield started going like more than six inches, I guess. I didn't know you get a ticket for that. But anyway, (laughs) so I got a ticket for that. And so I went down to the um, station to get it um, signed. And Marlon, I was like nervous. I mean, it was like a nervousness in me. Like I felt the anxiety rising up and then I went in. And so there was a guy, an officer there, and he was um, honestly cleaning a, a rifle right there. And I could see it all. And I'm standing there like for at least four minutes. And then I finally was like, sir, sir, I need you to do. And then he kind of looked and turned his head finished cleaning what he was cleaning and then came over. And it was, I mean, it was the most interesting experience. It was horrible actually, because I know he saw me outside in the window when I came in because it's glasses there. And then, you know, said whatever needed to be said. And then I was like, okay, let me throw some love on, on this guy. Maybe he needs a little extra today. I said, well, thank you so much for your service. And his face was just like so stern. And I was like, oh my God, what a horrible interaction. And, you know, I had all of this emotion going on. And I, was, I sat there as I was driving home. I was like, why am I, why was I even anxious about this? And the reality is, these are the kind of experience we have every day, potentially. My son, he's 6'6, he has dreadlocks, he has issues all the time because of his color and because of his dreadlocks. And so, yeah, that's that's a powerful story, Marlon. And um, so with that being said, um, what do you think as allies, people that support us that are not Black or African-American, anything that you think that any wisdom you can share with them to help them to understand who we are and how they can help and support us? Well, Charlene, I'm, I'm going to kind of answer that in a, in a two-part way, because I want to touch a little bit about on what you said in your experience with the ticket. We, as Black people, oftentimes wonder or ask ourselves, why were you, why did you have anxiety about going in to deal with a simple fix-it ticket? You had anxiety because, one, you were going in to deal with somebody of authority, right. and two, when you went into the office, you weren't treated well or you weren't treated with warmth. That is what I call indirect abuse. It's like you never have to spank your child, but if every time they walk into the room, you raise your fist, they're going to flinch. It's indirect abuse. And that's what Black people have been dealing with 
knowingly or unknowingly, when they see the George Floyd situations on TV, anytime you encounter law enforcement, especially, you know, a year or two ago, that incident that happened with George Floyd is going to be at the top of your mind. I mean, it's sad, but we had to teach our children, please respect police, regardless of whether they're right or they're wrong. Let mommy or daddy deal with that. Let the lawyers deal with that, whatever the situation is. You just say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Because we have been programmed as a people, knowingly or unknowingly, to, you know, so much so we don't even realize when we're being abused. Right. And so I know I kind of went down a rabbit trail. No, that was good. That was good. That was good. The indirect abuse has put us in a situation where we're always flinching and it doesn't even have to be that serious. But because of what we've seen, because of what we've heard, because of maybe what we've been a part of. Right. We're always flinching. So to answer your question, I would like the people who are willing to help us first understand we're not hostile. We're just we've been abused. And so sometimes it's like we're both in healthcare. Sometimes you need to understand why a patient is the way are is the way that they are. We don't know what some people have been through. You know, we need to understand not every patient is the same. So because of prior experiences, we need to come in and assess people, assess the needs and then move forward slowly so that we can truly hear what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And be um, I mean, humanity, humanity is sitting before you. So that would be a great opportunity to talk to humanity the way that humanity deserves to be talked to. So yeah, yeah, that's powerful, Marlon. And you know, um, also I wanted to ask you, um, there's um, for the, for part of the show, I always like to talk about like pearls of wisdom. And so if you can share with us and you can take your time on this, uh, three insights or three pearls of wisdom of what you've learned through your journey, because you um, you are you have an awesome career and you've been doing wonderful things. So let's just talk about that right now. Those three pearls of wisdom that Marlon wants to share with us. Oh yes. So the first thing that I would say is to truly work on being the change you would like to see. Oftentimes we don't, we, we, we want change, but we're not willing to put in the work. And when I say work, I mean work to create the change that we desire to see. Rome wasn't built in a day. So we have to come together as a people, whether it be black people, whether it be white people, we have to come together as a community for the same accord to be the change and create the change that we would like to see in our communities. And secondly, I would like to say to everyone listening, always hold your head up high. No matter what you're going through, hold your head up high and be proud of who you are and where you are, even if you're not where you want to be. Yes. Recognize where you are, hold your head up high and walk with a sense of integrity. You could be broke as two left shoes, but get yourself together 
hold your head up high and act like you are somebody. Because if you believe in yourself, others will be easily, they will be easily to, to believe in you. But we have yes. to, it starts with us. We must believe in ourselves first. And then, you know, just create the change that we want to see and believe in ourselves and don't stop trying. Never give up on your dreams. Never give up on your hope. Never give up on any initiative. Keep going. Keep it pushing. Don't stop. Amen to that. (laughs) Now, you said, I love that because I want to go back to that. You said, believe in yourself. And so I always talk about believing in your own significance. What I recognized, Marlon, is because of the programming from the past, I remember when I was I was struggling a little bit with, you know, when you know that you're good at something and then you don't really say anything because you don't want you just don't you're you're like intimidated to say, oh, you know, I know that I'm really great at doing A, B and C. You know, I see other people, they say it with just easily, but I struggled a little bit with that until I understand and I believed in my own significance. That's when I was able to actually begin to start doing all of the things that I believe that God has ordained for me to do. So uh, when you think about believing in your own significance or believing in yourself, uh, what do you think have been some of the barriers? Let's talk about a few of the barriers of that belief in yourself. I think, again, it goes back to kind of the, the generational curse of the black man not being confident and who we are. I would like to say, you know, even though my father was a successful man, I would like to say that I'm much further in life than he was. And I think that he would be proud of that. And why is that? Because I've been able to capitalize on his struggles. I saw what my father went through. So I knew, hey, Marlon, I don't want to go through those same struggles. So I looked, I learned, I paid attention to what my father, what my uncles, what my mother, what all the struggles that, you know, when people go through the struggle for you, you don't have to do it. You know, the price has already been paid. So when the price is paid, why are you going to go put the money down? It's paid already. Just step into who God designed you to be and keep moving forward. So I've always just been, I, I pay attention to people around me, but I'll give you an example. When I was applying for a particular job. It was a leadership position. I knew going into the particular interview that I wasn't the most qualified for the for the job per se, but they were looking for a leader. And I just went in with confidence. Remember, I said, always hold your head, head high, regardless to whether you're where you want to be or not. I went into that interview and when they start talking about certain qualifications, I was very transparent and said, yes, I may be deficient in that particular area, but I kept bringing it back to the leadership piece. I said, if you're looking for somebody to know this particular job through and through, I'm not your guy. I said, but if you're looking for a leader who can learn this job through and through in a very short amount of time, I'm definitely your guy because I have the skills to lead. And if you put good people around me, I will be successful. And I got the job. That's awesome. (laughs) So it was really about believing in myself and refusing to lose. And I didn't quit. I kept talking and I convinced them to give me the job. And I and I'm here today. 
Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Well, you know, I'm wondering um, if you can share with us. I was talking to someone about like life lessons that we've learned along the journey, you know, as African American, as a black person. So is there, is there any lessons that you would like to share? Like your, you know, something that really you're, you really learned it and you're like, Oh my God, this is like gold right here. So any type of um, nugget that you can share with us about something you've learned along the way. Well, I think Martin Luther King said it best. We shall overcome. This too shall pass. No <laughs> weapon formed against us shall prosper. So if you can adopt those principles and understand that you are somebody and believe in yourself, all things are possible through Christ who give you strength. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself, believe in yourself, because that's what's going to catapult you to the next level and never look behind you. Yes. Looking behind you stops your progress. It stops your momentum. So I don't care if you've been in prison. I don't, you know, if you come out of prison and, and, and you're ready to be a productive part of our society, you can be somebody. You are somebody. Take it yes. to the next level. I have the privilege of knowing a young man who spent, went into prison at a very early age and did 20 years in prison. Wow. Um, and came out of prison and literally became a supervisor for Facebook. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, beyond making very good money beyond his wildest dreams, but it happened. And if it happened for him, it could happen for us. Absolutely. I agree with you 110. <laughs> um, so another question that I have, because you're I'm, I'm just enjoying this conversation. But um, another question that I had is in the a lot of my audience is healthcare workers in particular. And so we've been through a lot over the last two and a half, three years and beyond, honestly. But I'm wondering if you can share some wisdom on um for someone that may be in crisis, you know, they may be even burned out, Marlon. Uh, I'd like for you to share some wisdom about that. And then what sustained you through this whole triple pandemic that we're dealing with and beyond? Well, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, I will use myself as an example. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be in a leadership position at work and the things that come my way on a daily basis is tough. And when I say a daily, I, I literally feel like I walk around oftentimes with a constant target on my back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because you feel like you have to almost ostracize people to keep people away from you so that you don't have any issues to deal with. But, you know, mental health is real. And I encourage people, you know, if you're struggling and you just need someone to talk to, especially we uh, in the black culture, because it's such a taboo thing for right. us to seek help and to, you know, get some counseling or have someone to talk to. I highly, highly encourage you to seek help. Talk to someone, talk to your HR department and see if they can get you some help. And if not, maybe talk to your local pastor, someone, talk to a confidant, someone. Don't hold what you're feeling in. Be willing to share your story with someone. 
more so a professional, but if not, someone. And don't hold it in and don't internalize it because that's what eats us up on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Well, thank you so much for that wisdom. Well, it was absolutely a joy to have this conversation with you. So any closing remarks from you that you would like to share with the audience before we say goodbye? Again, I would just like to thank you, Charlene, for giving me an opportunity to chat with you today. It was such a blessing to be able to exchange and share stories with you. And again, as my grandmother would say, keep looking up. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Marlon. I was extremely inspired by your message of hope. And I'm really excited about what's next for Marlon since she just got ordained. So you know I'm going to be checking in and saying, hey, what are you going to be doing? (laughs) So um, I think if people wanted to like kind of connect with you, is there a way that they connect with you? I think you're on LinkedIn, right? I am on LinkedIn and feel free to share my information on LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. That sounds great. I will do that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you for joining the podcast. When the Moment Chooses You is a bi-weekly podcast where I not only discuss my own passion and quest for responding to those destiny moments, but I will also be sharing inspiring stories, tips, and tools as we navigate this journey of life together. As you can see, I will also be interviewing amazing guests and risk takers with stories that seize the moment and transform their lives and those around them. My hope is to share my passion and to build a community around creating destiny moments because every heartbeat matters. Find me on social media and I'd love for you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, like and share as much as you want to. Thank you so much. And what will you do? when the moment chooses you.